Hello everyone and welcome to Deluded, a Melbourne Demons fan podcast. I'm Kira and I. And I'm Mitsuha. We are diehard Melbourne fans living in Washington, D.C. Some people work to live, but we work to afford the outrageously expensive AFL watch pass. <laughs> We've been there through the ups and downs, including the grim 186-point loss to Geelong, the 148-point loss to Essendon, the 101-point loss to Sydney, the loss to GWS back when no one lost to GWS. And we've been there through the good times too. What were the good times again? <laughs> Not sure. Our very first date actually was at the Melbourne St Kilda Elimination Final in 2006. They were simpler times. Nathan Carroll took out Fraser Garrick. Nathan Jones had hair. Matthew Bate was a player on the rise. And Brad Miller was a future AFL captain. We didn't even know who Tom Scully was back then. We've been through it all, we talk about it all the time, and now we're recording ourselves because we thought it could be some fun. And hopefully more than two people will listen to this podcast. (laughs) So why listen to us? Why not listen to the official Melbourne Demons podcast? That's a pretty good question. We don't have any access to players, no access to coaches, no inside scoops beyond relaying rumours from Demonland. Don't forget that Chris Judd's grandma said he wanted to go to Melbourne. That's right. (laughs) We have none of Matty Bergen's relentless enthusiasm for the team. All we can offer is honest analysis of the Ds and zero cliches. So Kieran, let's get around the boys. So we're recording this first episode three days out from season 2017. And we're pretty excited. We're not going to lie. The lid is way off. This could be the first year since 2006 that Melbourne makes the finals. But we're going to begin by looking at some of the big questions from... Uh, the preseason. So let's begin. Is Jesse back, Nita? Is he back? Look, I think he is back, but I'm not really sure where he went, to be honest, Kieran. I mean, if you listen to the media, they would make it sound as if last year he had some disastrous second season and he was seriously struggling. I mean, let's be real here. He still was our leading goal kicker by a long way. And I mean, he wasn't beating much. That's true. That's a good point. But I mean, at the same time, I mean, He's a 21-year-old kid. Like, Mick Malthouse wrote this ridiculous article which was like, Jesse is finally coming to terms with the demands of AFL football. Like, finally? Like, what are you talking about? The kid's 21. Give him a break. I agree. But you have to say, his body language was pretty bad last year. And he's kicking for goal. Unbelievable. Jake Spencer-esque. No, <laughs> I think that's pretty harsh, Kieran. Well, it's obviously I think, harsh. <laughs> no, I think, I think, look, he had a lot going for him him personally like I think a lot was going home Mm. on back home in WA um you know he's obviously recommitted to the club he's come back in ripping Nick as I always love to talk about (laughs) in the media he's looking good he's slimmed down as good he seems to be obsessed with people's weight these days (laughs) he's always been obsessed with people's weight he's really into people's weight but look I think he's looking good for the season and I'm pretty positive about what lies ahead for Jesse okay well he should be one of the dominant players in the competition there's no doubt about it but I mean, as a Melbourne fan, you're used to false dawns. Um, do you worry that he, he might leave? He might leave the club despite signing on again? Oh, like, look, this is all the ridiculous media speculation. So there's another article I read the other day. And let's let's just stop right here, Kieran, and just hand out the Damien Barrett Award for obscenely poor journalism <laughs> for this week. Because this week's award has to go to Mick Sterling from Sporting News, which was all about how... 
Hogan's confession adds to the growing view the demons are struggling with players' attitudes and getting them to work as a team rather than a group of talented but big-headed youngsters is the club's biggest challenge this year. That literally what doesn't What the hell make is any... that based on? Right, exactly. What is that based on? But also, that is such a poorly written paragraph. <laughs> I can't even tell you. But Mick Sterling, you have outdone yourself this week and you are deserving of the day. He's outdone himself. We haven't even heard of it before. Yes. <laughs> You've risen out of the ashes to claim the Damien Barrett Award for week one of this podcast. So well done to you, Mick Sterling. Yeah, we're not sure what any of these are based on, but I think I think Jesse's looking in good nick. So let's talk about the second big issue. What the hell is going on with what's he hearing? Well, questions have to be asked, as Damien Barrett would oh, say. God. I mean, when Watsy came into preseason training with that ridiculous peroxide blonde hair. I mean, there he's was a believer. <laughs> Give him a break. He's a believer. He's just trying to challenge Justin B. There's always been a bit of a challenge worry about the Whopper's uh, mental fortitude, but I don't know. Being left out of the first two JLT Cup games after his best season is a huge worry. And I mean, I have to admit, Nita, I've been a skeptic of Watts over the years, but last year he blew me away. Um, he's clearly our best kick. Um, do you think he's our best kick? I think he's our best kick. Who do you think is a better kick? I'm just thinking about it. I feel like the top five kicks at the club would probably be Jonesy, Salem, Track, Watsy, and then who else? Probably Jordan Lewis now. Would you agree? Uh, I think that's probably right. I think that's probably fair. But I think Watts is a clear standout. Uh, and I think Watts' decision-making... Do you think he's a better standout than Track? Oh, absolutely. Have you seen Track kick for goal? <laughs> Yeah, look, the goal kicking probably wasn't his best last year. But I think, look, according to preseason form, it looks like he's managed to, you know, <laughs> fix his goal kicking issues. But we'll see. <laughs> but, but this is meant to be Watsy's, you know, big year, the year he really rises to the top of the competition. And you now have to worry about his relationship with Simon Goodwin. I mean, what do you think is going on between those two? Do you think there's any rift? Goody kind of hung Watsy out to dry a little bit, to be honest. I mean, I thought he could have stood by him a little bit more in discussions about will he play, won't he play. I mean, look, he was probably more honest than most coaches have been in the past in terms of, you know, basically saying that Watsy wasn't living up to the training standards expected by the club. But I still think he probably could have, you know, I think he could have supported him a little bit more in the public eye. It did seem a little bit like he was, you know, quick to take a hard stance. And I think he probably could have been a little bit softer on Watsy. What do you think about his treatment of Jack Trengove? Because yeah. that, that's something that, that stuck out to me, that Trengove was named in the team, went all the way to Perth, didn't get to play the third JLT game. But that seemed a little bit harsh to me for uh, a real loyal servant of the club. Uh, I thought it was really harsh, to be honest. I mean, what's the point of just like dragging him across the country just to make him sit on the bench the entire time and not play? I mean, I, I think he needs to be given a go. I mean, that I was a... Big, big, big Trengo fan when he first burst onto the scene. I know you were always more of a fan of Tom Scully. I know. I know. Makes you should me be. sick to say. <laughs> you should be. But, I mean, look, I, I loved Trengo. I loved him for his tackling. I loved him for his general kind of leadership and his, you know, and he's sort of, he's such a good club man, you know. And I think he was really burdened by the weight of expectations and, and the fact that they gave him the captaincy far too early. Um, but he just seems like such a nice guy. And I really, really hope, I think we all hope that he gets back to his best later this year and he gets another contract. But I mean, it's not looking great at the start off with, now is it? It's not. It's not. And the challenge for Trengove is it's hard to see what his point of difference is. I mean, he's um, a hard player, but there's plenty of hard players in the midfield. He's not particularly quick. He can't 
uh, kick it really more than 50 metres, probably because of his injuries. Um, he's not the overhead mark he was in the under-18s. Um, but I don't know. If they can find a role for him, you never know. Plenty of teams have found roles for players without standout physical attributes. Um, I'd love to see him make it, but I, I just don't know where he fits in our team. I don't even know what part of the ground he'd play. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, yeah, I think the problem is our biggest issue at the moment seems to be leg speed, right? And it's just, he's just not really someone who can fill that void. No, no. But if it's a good bloke award, oh, you can certainly fill God, that void. God, he definitely fill that void, exactly. <laughs> if there's a real abyss of, like, amazing people on the list, Jack Trango fills that and fills it in space. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So do you, do you think on that, do you think the team is getting ahead of itself? Because I think in the past, I always saw the Melbourne list as a bunch of good blokes who never really had that kind of cutting edge. Now I feel like we're turning towards the more kind of brash... GWS style. Oh, come on. I, to, I mean, I don't think it's a bad thing, but you oh. can sense there's a little bit of swagger amongst the team. But I like the swagger. I think it's contained swagger. You know what I mean? Like, it's funny. The media wanted to go on and on about Tommy Bug last year, you know, kicking that goal in the second quarter against Richmond and then giving the shush up to the Richmond crowd. I kind of like it. I, oh, found I, love it, I kind of loved it. I think let's just, let's get some more fun back into the game. Let's get some sass happening, you know? I mean... For so long, Melbourne have just been so downtrodden of being playing like a team that's losing all the time, you know, obviously, but also acting like a team that loses all the time. I mean, now let's just act like winners. Like, I think it's great. I love it. I love Christian Petraka's swagger. That is just... I know. I think it's awesome. And I love a little bit of lip. I guess I've been conditioned to be a loser for so many years of being exactly. a Melbourne supporter. It's hard to really get used to, but you're completely right. I think it's exciting ahead. All right. Well, so let's turn to what are the big calls of the year. So... Kieran, what is your big call for the year? So my big call is that Clayton Clary Oliver will stamp himself by the end of this year as the best player of the Petrarca, uh, Brayshaw, Oliver trio. And I think by the end of next year, he'll be our best midfielder. And I know we have plenty of good midfielders. We've got uh, Jack Viney, Nathan Jones, um, some would say Dom Tyson. Some would say. (laughs) But Clayton Oliver, for me, has the vision, he has the poise... Um, he's only a second-year player. He doesn't look like he trains a hell of a lot, but, <laughs> but I tell you what, he has all the skills, and he's the easiest player in the list to coach. All Brendan McCartney needed to say to him was, see ball, get ball. Literally just see ball, get ball, and he'll just go and do it. I could coach this guy. Yeah, he keeps it simple, doesn't he? Well, but here's my question to you, Kieran. Do you think that Clayton Oliver has the same X factor as a Christian Petrarca? I think, look, Petrarca has some special skills that no one on our list has and no one ever that's ever played for Melbourne in my lifetime has. Wow, here we go. Uh, he has an ability to, uh, you know, jump, mark the ball, land on it, on his feet, um, sprint off, you know, turn, spin around, spin around like, in God, no that, space. I was actually, this is really embarrassing, but as I was on my way to work the other day and it was like a freezing cold and snowy morning and I was just in such a bad mood that I literally just <laughs> watched highlights of the Melbourne Collingwood game. I think it must have been Queen's birthday last year. Oh, Christian Petrarca spins around, gets away from Sinclair, kicks that goal. Amazing. Unbelievably good. I would encourage all of you listeners, if you're in a terrible mood or snowed under with work, to, um, to, to go back and watch that because it will definitely cheer you up. But anyway, no, I agree with you that Clary's a star. There's no doubt about that. I, I think... I think Petrarca has uh, more highlight reel moments, but I think Oliver will be a more consistently excellent player. 
And I reckon on grand final day, the Norm Smith medalist will be Clayton Clary Oliver, the man who thought he was too fat to make an AFL list only a year, a year ago. Where do you think Gus Brayshaw fits into that discussion then? Look, I like Gus, but I think he's got some weaknesses. I think his disposal is weaker than those two. Uh, and at times his decision-making can be a bit off. I, don't, I, I think it'll just take a couple of years for him. I still think he'll be a star player, and I think that trio will be amazing. But I sense that he'll be the weakest of those three. Interesting. Ruzi disagrees with you. Ruzi thinks that he's the best, uh, better runner than both of those guys, which I think is probably true, though. He's a better runner. He does have a knack of getting hit in the head with footballs. Yeah. And... <laughs> he has got a big head, doesn't he? He's an interesting-looking <laughs> character, isn't he, Gus Brayshaw? But so is Clayton Oliver, then again. We have some very interesting-looking characters very on interesting our list. Very interesting-looking characters on our list. <laughs> okay, so my big call for this season is that I think Melbourne will be top six. Top six? Top six. I you think, think Melbourne will be top six. I think Melbourne will be top six. We haven't finished higher than what? 11th? Look, I'm not, last I'm, not like, I'm not as I'm not going out as much as some other people, like for example David Schwartz, who seems to think that Melbourne's gonna finish top four. So I'm not willing to sort of, you know, go all out yet. But I think we will be top six. I think that we have the list profile that and we have the sort of midfield depth that will really, really challenge teams. And that's why I really strongly think we'll be top six. I think that for example, I think Hawthorne will slip, North Melbourne will obviously slip, there's no doubt about that. Um, Geelong, I think, are, as, as has been said by you know, every single person, that they're too reliant on Dangerwood. But I just, I think our midfield depth would overcome theirs, would overcome, yeah, would overcome their sort of midfield deficiencies. Um, and I think that. So you think our midfield would overwhelm Geelong when we lost to them by 111 yeah, points? Yeah, I appreciate that. That might be a little bit optimistic. Yeah, but I think that was a bit of a different game. I mean, I think it was the end of the season. We had a terrible loss to Carlton. Finals was off the cards. The boys were tired, you know, all of our young players were just exhausted with the you know, fatigue of the season. And I think, you know, we're probably playing Geelong a bit earlier in the season. I'm not sure when we are. I think we're playing them the first four rounds. And I think they'll be ready to go at that time against Geelong. And I think we should be able to finish above them in the ladder. But what do you think about our back line? Because to me, that's the worry. No, the back line and the forward line, in fact, both sides. Yeah. So if um, Tom McDonald doesn't get much support... Uh, from Frost or Oscar McDonald, and say on the other end, Hogan doesn't get a massive amount of support from a still developing Wiedemann. Yeah. How do we rise to top six? Yeah, I, I agree. That is a bit of a problem. I mean, look, when you look at our back line, so Tom McDonald's obviously a very good player, but Oscar's still young, though I do think he showed signs last year. That put Adelaide down, he was great. He was marking really well. He was actually making good decisions. Like, he's got promise. And I think Sam Frost, I mean, obviously he makes some bad decisions sometimes, but... He's got a lot. There's a lot to like about him physically, you know. He's got all the attributes. He's got a great set of wheels. He's got a great set of wheels. As Dermy loves to say. Dermy loves to say that. No, he does. He's got real upset, I think. Um, but I agree with you. We, we lack a lot of class and we lack a sort of really developed big key defender who can, you know, play on anyone, really. Um, I agree. But I think what the Bulldogs showed last year, though, Kieran, is that you don't need to have a stellar backline or a stellar forward line, really, to you know, go deep into September. I mean, you look at their forward line last year. It was so Stringer-dependent. And then Stringer, towards the end of the season, obviously because of, you know, personal issues and various other things, wasn't playing well, you know, and Cranberry wasn't in the side. And yet they still managed to, you know, they still managed to win a premiership. So, I mean, if Hogan is even at, like, you know, even close to the peak of his powers, you know, without midfielders chipping in here and there, kicking goals where they can, and with, Hopefully Maxi Gorn being able to go down forward and mark a few and kick a few as well. 
then anything, anything, anything can happen. I think anything can happen. Anything can happen. The story of the Melbourne Football Club. <laughs> <laughs> a lot bad can also happen. That's a lot also bad the can happen. Of the Melbourne Football Club. But I have to say, I'm excited too. I mean, I don't think we'll be top six necessarily, but I think we'll be in the battle for eighth, and I reckon we'll just get there. Although a lot of it's going to come down to the matchup against St Kilda, which is really our most natural rival. So let's let's preview that game. Round one, Etihad Stadium, our favourite venue. Uh, 14 it. losses in a row against St Kilda. What do we think? Are we going to finally get them? No, is the short <laughs> answer to that. I'm quite cynical. I've been broken hearted far too many times. I'll never forget that game when it was just within our grasp and then in the last 30 seconds, you know... Jimmy Tumpus. Jimmy Tumpus. The name we shall never speak of again. Yeah. <laughs> it was terrible. So, look, I don't think we'll win. I just don't think we match up well against them at all. I think they're far too quick for us. And I think for whatever reason, they seem to have the wood over us. What do you think? I think that's right. I mean, I think we're just as good a team as St Kilda across the competition. But against them, for whatever reason, we just can't crack them. I mean, Rewalt just towels up Tom McDonald every time. Um, Membry, I just don't, don't know who's going to go with them. I don't, I don't think Oscar McDonald can do it. And even random players like Minchington. It's always random players like Minchington that <laughs> bob up. really good. <laughs> they can never do anything for their whole careers and they'll bob up against Melbourne. Um, That's true. I mean, the midfields are pretty even. Oh, I or you could even argue better. our midfield's better. No, I think we have a much better midfield than St Kilda. I, I mean, disagree with that. Jack Stevens is a very good player. I agree with Armitage that. is a very good player. But I think we have much more X factor. I think we have a lot more... Uh, well, I think our players in the midfield have a much higher ceiling than St Kilda's do. Right. Right. And look, I mean, if Jesse gets going and kicks kicks a bag as he's done before against St Kilda, that might be enough. But my sense is because it's at Eddie Had against St Kilda, we'll narrowly lose. But I don't think that's necessarily going to be that disastrous for our season. Um, and I think it's important that if we lose that game, fans take a deep breath and don't jump off yeah. the demon bandwagon. Oh, I was planning on tearing up my membership right then and there, to be honest with you. <laughs> or probably not even purchasing a membership yet, which is the standard practice of most Melbourne fans. <laughs> All right, well, that's it for uh, the first week of Deluded, the Melbourne Demons podcast. Uh, we'll be in your podcast feed uh, a couple of days after every game. Um, you can tweet us at uh, Deluded. Um, well, we haven't actually set up the Twitter account yet, but let's assume that it's Deluded podcast. Uh, and we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to interview some fans in future weeks. We'll have interviews with players, assuming the club doesn't hate us after this episode. <laughs> I wouldn't hold your breath on that one, Jordan. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, we'll be back in touch after the St Kilda game, which is really looking forward to. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.